everyone, and happy Friday, and welcome to episode 35 of season three of Movie Around Minute, the daily podcast, where we yippee our way through the 1988 Bruce Willis action flick, Die Hard, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again to finish off this week, week number seven, is Matthew Simpson of Awesome Friday. So welcome to Awesome Friday on Friday. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting, actually, because the Awesome Friday podcast actually comes out on a Sunday, usually, so it's nice that it's happening on a Friday this time. <laughs> well, does it come out on a Sunday because you guys record on Fridays? Is that, or like, uh, where did the idea come from to call it Awesome Fridays, or just because Friday is the awesome day? Uh, so, right now, we record on Saturday and we release on Sunday. Uh, the way Awesome Friday started was actually years ago... Um, Myself and Simon, my podcasting partner, uh, when I was single and he didn't have children, and I worked at a job where my work was Sunday to Thursday, and he was a working actor here in Vancouver, and he basically always had Friday off, and we just got into this like habit slash tradition for like two years where on Fridays we would go to a matinee and then go have lunch and a couple of beers afterward. And it just became awesome Friday. So when we started our website, which is coming up on 10 years ago, uh, we just decided to name it after our weekly tradition. Okay. That makes sense. That definitely yeah, makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah. And now we're so tied to the branding that even though it comes out on a Sunday, we're still awesome Friday. Cause we call and it if, a state as long of as mind. People, as long as people are not expecting the show to come out on Friday, you're good. Yeah. 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 Because you don't want people saying, oh, this is crappy Friday, because I was waiting for, for, for that awesome Friday podcast that just doesn't come out. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, one day his kids will be grown and we'll be able to get back to it. And it'll, but uh, for now, it's awesome Friday on a Sunday because we say it's a, it's a state of mind and not a time. So. Okay. That, that makes sense. Minute 35 begins with Theo explaining himself and ends with fire trucks. Uh, coming from the, from the distance. So yesterday we finished the minute with uh, Hans and or with Theo trying to explain to Hans what it is that they need to do, and then Hans was a little bit uh, preoccupied with thinking about all the uh, millions of bearer bonds that were, that he's just feet a few feet away from, and he lost his concentration a little bit and wanted Theo to explain himself, and Theo says. The seventh lock, the electromagnetic seal. You do understand the circuits can't, cannot be cut locally. And then Hans looks at him and goes, trust me. So first of all, I, I, <laughs> I, I like the fact that Theo is explaining to both Hans and to us that there is this problem with this electromagnetic seal, right? Now, what, what do you know about like what do you, what do you think an electromagnetic lock or seal is? What, what do you think that is? I mean, it's a giant magnet that holds the door shut that's powered by the power grid. Otherwise, the circuits could be cut locally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, pretty much, pretty much. So, electromagnetic lock, what's known as a mag lock, is a locking device that can, consists of an electromagnet and an armature plate. There are two main types of, of electric locking devices. Locking devices can either be fail-safe or fail-secure. A fail-secure locking device remains locked when the power is lost. 
Fail-safe locking devices are unlocked when de-energized. Direct pull electromagnetic locks are inherently fail-safe. Typically, the electromagnetic portion of the lock is attached to the door frame and a mating armature plate is attached to the door. The two components are in contact with when the door is closed. When the electromagnetic, uh, when the electromagnet is energized, a current passing through the electromagnet creates a magnetic flux that causes the armature plate to, att to attract to the electromagnet, creating a locking action. Because the mating area of the electromagnet and the armature is relatively large, the force created by the magnetic flux is strong enough to keep the door locked even under stress. So, I mean, that's interesting, the fact that there are two types. You can have a fail-safe or a fail-secure, and apparently mm -hmm. Nakatomi decided to go with the wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the more common one, even by that description. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, it, it's just very interesting, you know, that, that uh, you know, basically, I'm, I'm trying to think of what is the added advantage, advantage of having a maglock as opposed on a safe. I, besides needing it for the plot, you know. I, I don't know enough about safes to, I, I mean, to me, the question is, they have this electronic lock that's controlled by the computers that requires a code, and then they have five mechanical locks, and then this electromagnet. So, why do they need five mechan? Like they have three kinds. Why do they need five of one of them? Right. It's like yeah, why not just three? like or why not seven different kinds of lock? <laughs> or you know, um, but I, I don't know what the added advantage is other than uh, plot stakes. Yeah, which which are probably what it is, but yeah. but it helps. It you know it it, uh, it 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 makes it sound cooler. The fact that okay, we have this electromagnetic seal, you know that 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 uh, I mean obviously as as we know since since we know you know where where this plot goes, so we know that it's necessary. You know. Yeah, it definitely adds uh, raises the stakes. It also gives Hans another moment where you know uh, we've talked at length a little bit about how Carl and Theo are sort of the, the number one and two uh, henchmen and somewhat peers to Hans, but this gives us a moment to realize that nope, Hans has compartmentalized parts of the plan away from Theo as well. Because yeah. Theo doesn't know how that seal is going to be broken. He just right. knows that it needs to be broken and he can't do it. And you'd think that he would have thought about it because, if, you know, I'm assuming Theo knows what an electromagnetic seal is, you know, unlike us who I needed to look it up for, you know, to figure it out. You think that he has somewhat of an idea because of the, you know, of the planning aspects of this. You know, well, I assume, I assume that Theo knows what it is and what would need to happen to unlock it and just doesn't know how exactly Hans plans to accomplish that. Cause you know, why should it be difficult have... to cut the power in the building? Uh, well, if he if he understands it's tied to like the power grid of the city block, like maybe it requires too much power for just what the building itself is able to produce. Hmm. Uh, whatever it is, my read is still is that Theo is smart enough to know what has to happen, just not how it's going to happen. Right. Okay. Um, Okay. Uh, and then you get this nice moment where I think the next line, you know, when, when Theo says we can't cut the the, uh, the seal locally and Hans just smiles and goes, trust me. Exactly. Uh, yeah. He's, he's very nice confident moment. in that answer. You know, trust yeah, me. It's a, it's a nice Trust me. It's like, Christmas. You know? 
Yeah. <laughs> it's a nice moment that like, you know, I have a plan and you don't need to know what it is. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's a, a great little. You're, uh, you're here to do something and I'm here to do something. You, you keep to your, your section of things, you know? Yeah, exactly. And then the, the scene switches and we, we, we see John again. John is, is, uh, coming out on, on one of the floors, the, where they're still doing construction. And you see, you know, he's, he's very agitated, very nervous. He's looking around, you know, he's waving his gun on all, all different directions. And then he begins to, to, uh, you know, belittle himself a bit and keeps asking himself questions. He goes, why the f did you stop him, John? Cause then you'd be, then you'd be dead too. You know, think, think, God damn it. Think, you know, he's like trying to, he's, he's, he's very, he's, he's out of his element right now. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he, he's still shocked by the fact that he just saw Takaki's brains two days ago, get splattered all over the, the, the window. And he, he's just trying to figure out, okay, what is it that I need to do now? You know, how do I get myself out of this situation? He's not even thinking about about Holly at this point. He's still only thinking about himself. Uh, yeah, he's certainly thinking about you know he's uh, first and foremost, which is a problem in their marriage that he is a cop. He's a cop, and so yeah. his instinct is to try and help and try and stop them. But and so even though there was no way he could really have any effect on what happened in that boardroom, he's clearly feels guilty about it, right? Yeah. Um, and I think it's a nice bit of nice bit of characterization. It's also a nice bit of like vulnerability for the character. Um, I know it's sort of the norm now, but in uh, in '88, it you know, action stars were superheroes in 1988. And yeah. This is one of the first ones where the action hero was just kind of a kind of a guy, just another guy. So it's it's nice to see him uh, showing that vulnerability and showing that self doubt and guilt. I, right. I, I mean, I think that. I think that's also one of the part, one of the things with this movie is the idea that they're showing us, you know, that it's this isn't a Schwarzenegger, this isn't a Stallone, you know, this is a, a typical, you know, uh, everyman who's in this situation yeah. who needs to, uh, you know, which is why I think this movie is so effective, you know, even though both Schwarzenegger and uh, Stallone, as as we've mentioned earlier this week, you know, have been have made movies where they're in this type of genre, you know, where it's one man against uh, an army or whatever it is. But because Bruce Willis does, isn't all pumped up like they are, you know, this is something that people can relate to much easier. Yeah, for sure. He definitely feels like a, a regular human being through the yeah. whole movie. Mm -hmm. And he gets he gets beat to hell through the whole movie too, which, yeah. you know, in most movies, the, the main guy will get cut or shot or something. And the next scene, he'll just like shrug it off. But that is definitely not the case in this movie. Yeah. Well, he's actually doing all, <laughs> he's yeah. getting shot. He's getting cut. He's, you know, everything that can happen to him happens here, except for, except for getting killed. But I mean, I like the way that, that they, this, this is a script element that they're using here because he's all alone and he's not with anybody else. So he just talks to himself mm -hmm. in order to give us, you know, a perspective of who he is, you know, by him belittling himself and saying, why didn't I stop it? I'm, I'm a cop. I should have stopped it, you know, and then, and then answering the question for himself also, you know, it helps uh, make it very effective that he's telling this over to, 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 to the audience. 
-hmm. you know, we can hear it and we can say, okay, you know what? He's right. Why didn't you do anything? Well, because then you'd be dead too. You know, there, there is something to that. And then the idea, okay, let me think of some sort of solution. And as he's trying to think of the solution, and this happens numerous times in the movie where, where he just looks around and then finds a solution, you know, much later on, we'll, we'll have the whole thing with the, uh, you know, with the, with the Christmas, Christmas presents, you know, where he's just mm -hmm. looking around and, and then a solution just pops into his head. So he starts looking around and he sees, you know, and, and I love how the camera pans with us so that we see what he's seeing. You know, he sees the sprinklers and so like, okay, I see sprinklers. And then he looks to the left and says, oh, there's a fire alarm. <laughs> Maybe mm -hmm. I should just pull a fire alarm. <laughs> and I, I love the fact that, that they do this subtly because they show us him looking at these things, but we don't see him pull the fire alarm. We don't need to see him pull the fire alarm. No, we can, you know, we can make that connection. I love yeah. that it cuts to just the alarm panel and the, the bad yeah. guys understanding what's going on. Yeah, we see, um, we see Eddie in the lobby and, you know, you see the, the panel where there's, there's flashing lights on 32 on the, you know, on the switchboard and stuff like that. And at this point, you know, we, he picks it. What, what's interesting is, so we, we see Eddie then, uh, you know, pick up the, the, the CB and he calls, uh, calls to Hans and says, we got a fire alarm. And then Hans, you know, doesn't even have to think twice. You know, within seconds, he's answering. He says, okay, call 911, give him the guard's name, the building code, number, and cancel the alarm, then disable the system. So, I mean, I, I, I like the fact that, that Hans, once again, is just matter of fact. Mm -hmm. You know, he's, he's, he's uh, uh, dealing with a problem as soon as it, ch it pops up. You know, he doesn't really have to think very long and hard as to how he's going to deal with this problem. Yes, he's a very decisive leader, a uh, very effective leader. And uh, it's... Well, he's an effective, effective where... decision maker, not even just uh, as a leader. Yeah, yeah. Very, you know, this is what needs to happen, so this is what we're going to do. Right. And, uh, you know, I, some, I watched this with someone one time where, and someone, the guy I was watching it with asked, why didn't they just disable the alarm system ahead of time? And the answer is just like, I mean, sure, but also they didn't expect... Why would they expect a fire alarm? That's right. just a waste of time until it happens. Uh, so yeah. it's, but as soon as it does happen, like solve the problem, like solve the problem and move on. That's right. Uh, I mean, they thought about the, the phones, but they didn't think about uh, that. Yeah. So you can't think of everything. You think of, you think of, you know, when, when you're thinking about it, okay. So the phones they're going to cut because anyone can go into any room and try and make a call out. But who's going to be who's going to even think to go to pull a fire alarm? Yeah, you know, yeah which, exactly. Again, it's a great idea, but it's not something that 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 you would expect someone to do, as you said. So there, that that sort of makes sense. Yeah. You know, and and uh, I love how you know when Hans is talking, he doesn't he doesn't even stop walking. You know, we talked yesterday a little bit about the the walk and talk, you know, that he's doing here, but he's you know. He, he doesn't even he doesn't miss a beat as he's explaining to to Eddie what he needs to do. Yeah, he does stop at the end of his walk for his next line, I think. Well, no, because he uh, pauses, and what's really cool is he pauses, and then who's standing right behind him? Did you notice who's standing right behind him when he pauses? It's uh, Tony, right? That's right. Yeah, you know, I never made that connection. That that's the reason why he ends up sending Tony on this this new mission that we'll find out about on Monday. 
but yeah. but uh, you know he's he's walking and then he, you know you see his mind racing, and then he stops and then he looks at the, and then he picks up the the CP again and he goes, Eddie, on what floor did that alarm go off? And uh, you know that that just it works really well in uh, explaining what what's really going on here. Yeah, and I uh, I don't know what at what point. Yeah, we don't see. I don't believe we see Hans like directly order Tony to go, but no. Tony is definitely the guy who shows up on floor thirty-two. Yeah, yeah like, exactly. So uh, like it's, uh, another another one of those great like visual storytelling setup payoff uh, that this movie does so well. Right. McTurnan exactly. when it, at his height was so good at that, like so good at this at that visual aspect of storytelling. Yeah, for yeah. sure. There's no question about that. They they they, they do so well here. So and then they, they they take us back to Heinrich and uh, with Marco and the two of them are debating you know what they're supposed to do and uh, Marco goes now should we go and Heinrich goes nine and I mean it, it's it's funny that that they they have to cut to them here you know they cut to them here because of something that's going to happen uh, like 20 minutes from now or maybe 10 minutes from now. It's not even no. It's probably about there's probably 15 20 minutes from now when, when this will happen. But it's it's nice that they you know they keep reminding us that the two of them are not that far away. Yeah, and it's you know, even though they're not needed. Set up, uh, yeah, it's another great way to set up sort of the the geography of the of the situation as well, right? Like we know yeah. we know they're close, but not that close. We know that. Tony's going to get there first. We know where John is in relation to everyone else. And it's just nice that it keeps bringing us back to just little visual reminders of who is where and when. Yeah, for sure. I think it's nice that it also, it, uh, it establishes that everyone's talking on the same channel. Yes. <laughs> uh, before that starts happening as a, as a more major plot point. Um, and, uh, the, that the team does maybe have a little bit of autonomy you know, or at least that uh, some of the mercenaries are like, well, maybe we should go be mercenaries. Uh, but then the leader's like, no, no, we no, should just do our jobs. So let's just let's just stay professional. Let's, we'll do our job until we're told not to. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, then we we get a shot of of Eddie again. And what's what's really interesting is is did you notice how he calls the the fire department? Uh, on that, uh, he has like a. a yeah, it's like an old school car phone. He has a he has a briefcase portable. that inside the briefcase has has a uh, portable car phone yeah. or a portable phone, whatever it is. So now my question would be: Is okay? You're in your house, okay? You're, or actually, it makes more sense. You're in a building that is connected to the fire department, okay? Mm -hmm. And you call them from a different phone line. Wouldn't they say, "Well, why are you calling? Why aren't you calling from?" The, the phone line in the building telling me, because you're telling me that it's it's a false alarm. Mm -hmm. You know, it sounds as if they're uh, calling, it sounds as if they're calling and saying, okay, we have a problem here, so, but you don't have to come. So I'm using my cell phone. Yeah. That's <laughs> probably all it is. Or maybe, you know, the answer might be, uh, you know, I went to look and I'm not near a phone, so I'm using my cell phone. Um, right. But uh, that's a good point. I mean, the uh, the answer is I think they cut all of the phone lines. <laughs> no, I know, I know that they did, but but how does the 
the you know the fire department know that you know how does the fire department verify that this really is being i mean yes he's told to use the guard's name okay and, and the building code, code an number. identification code yeah. yeah okay all right so maybe that uh you know maybe he's like okay i'm i'm, I'm out on the smoke break i don't know <laughs> yeah i don't know i mean maybe i mean i i don't know if i'm old enough to remember if we had call display in 1988 or I guess 1987 when this was shot. Uh, maybe they are. Um, maybe they weren't able to tell. Did they have caller ID? Well, again, did who have caller ID? You know, did on any, a normal any... phone, no, probably not on a normal phone. But the, the question is, the you know, did the fire department and the and the police department and and again, he's calling 911. Yeah, that's true. He's not even calling the fire department. He's calling 911. 911 definitely was able to to triangulate and figure out where where a call was coming from or who it was coming from at the time. True. But then if they could, if they triangulated it, they would find that he is in Nakatomi. So, okay. There is that too. Yeah. So I don't know. And then, uh, we get to see in the distance, uh, a shot from, from a, a high window. You see in the distance, a lot of cars and you see four fire trucks coming towards us. Mm-hmm. And that's how this minute ends. So people are going to have to come back on Monday to find out uh, what happens with these fire trucks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think we know what's going to happen, but uh, it is nice that 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 last shot is clearly from John's point of view. Like we yes. don't get to see what happens next exactly, but like it's pretty clear where we're looking from. Yeah, for sure. And so, uh, you have anything else you want to say about uh, th- this minute before we get into the script? No, not at all. Okay, because the, the script actually, for the first time this entire week, gives us a lot more information than than is given in the movie itself. Okay, so the you know the minute begins with Theo explaining about the seventh lock, but in the script it says uh, he just says the seventh lock is that's out of out of my hands. And Hans's response is, if our plan works, the FBI will get rid of it for us. And then it says, Theo grins and begins to type. So that makes it sound as if Theo actually knows the plan mm-hmm. and knows what's going on. And then they show us uh, his, his screen, and it says he types, begin algorithm code program, random numbers and letters, begin going by AAA1111, AAAB1112. Which again, we don't need to see that. We don't need to to know about it at all, you know. Then, in the the scene where McLean is berating himself, so he goes, uh, you know, he screams out, uh, "Why the f- didn't you stop him?" He doesn't say John, mm-hmm. you know, he doesn't call himself call his name himself. And then he 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 stops for a second and he says, "Because you've been a, a, ignorant, son of a bitch, you'd be dead too. Think, 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 goddamn it." So again, it's there's slight discrepancies. I think Bruce Willis is is better at the self depreciation than than is needed from the the script itself. I you would know, he, say the the lines on the screen are better than the ones on the page in this case. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying Bruce Willis yeah. is better. You know, whether whether it was ad libbed or whether it was you know written on this on the screen, written on the set, doesn't make a difference. It's better. I agree with you. It's better than what's written in the script. Yeah. Then the script 
switches the scene to the fire station. Okay, and it says oh, in alarms. Yeah, it says an alarm sounds quickly. Firemen move to their machines as a voice of a 911 dispatcher drones along. Main Wilshire units two alarm fire at Nakatomi Plaza. The voice continues as the station doors open. And then it says, and we cut to seeing the indicator light, you know, that, that Eddie sees. Mm -hmm. Then the, the line that we're going to get next week about uh, the Dalmatian is actually said now. And mm -hmm. then it talks about the fact that Hans is in the elevator with Tony on their way back to the 30th floor. And at that point, he has the conversation with Eddie about uh, the alarm. And then he tells Eddie, you know, to call, to call 911, give them your name. And all that stuff. So I, I, I like the way that they change it around a little bit. Um, it would have been nice to, to see those few seconds in the fire station, but it's not necessary. Yeah, it doesn't really add. It doesn't add that much, but it, it's still fun to see. Yeah, it's one of those things where, like, even if they did film it, that would be like the first thing to go when they start cutting for time, right? Like, right. It doesn't really serve anything. Right. At least nothing that seeing the fire trucks coming towards the, the building doesn't all also serve. Right. That's true. That's yeah. true. So every Friday we have a surprise segment for my guests that they don't know about, even though they sometimes can figure it out on their own. And so we have weekend surprise. Okay. Where basically, you know, we, we, we discussed earlier this week, Matthew, about the fact that, uh, you know, whether this movie is considered a Christmas movie or not. So uh, what's your opinion on it? Do you, and for your, your answer. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I talked a little bit about this before, but um, I've really gone back and forth on whether Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Um, and I've recently sort of swung back to the idea that it is a Christmas movie. Um, but I don't honestly I'm sort of at a point in my life where I don't think it really matters. If you want to watch Die Hard at Christmas, watch Die Hard at Christmas. It's a great movie, and it's a great time of year to watch that. Um, but uh, whether it's set at Christmas or a Christmas movie, it doesn't really – the plot doesn't actually really work unless it's a party that's going to work for a big company like – to get everyone together in all the right places for this plot to work for Hans Gruber is if it's a Christmas party. Like, companies don't have – summer parties or Easter parties. Um, so, okay. But does it make sense to actually have a Christmas party on Christmas Eve? I mean, lots of companies do that. I used to work for a company that did that. Really? Uh, was, don't, yeah, don't, they, was, don't they want people to spend time? Don't they want to allow people to spend time with their families on Christmas Eve? Yeah, that'd be nice. That'd be great. <laughs> uh, yeah, the company I work for now, the, uh, in my day job, uh, we do our Christmas parties, you know, outside of a pandemic. Anyway, we do them in like the second week of December. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's such a it's such a uh, a tough question because I don't I don't I don't really care anymore. I just like the movie. <laughs> it's um. But I think it works. I think it works as a Christmas movie. I think setting it at any other time of year doesn't really work. Um, and as a result, it is a Christmas movie. Okay, that's fair. That's very fair. It's a very, it's a very practical answer, not a very passionate one, but uh, it is my answer. Okay, that that that's good too. 
Not yeah. a problem. I do not have a problem with that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Is there anything else you want to say about the, the movie in general? No, I mean, it's a classic. What, what else needs to be, to be said? It's, uh, uh, it, as you mentioned earlier, earlier, it, um, it established a whole genre and changed the way we make action films and all for the better. And I'm glad that not even now, what, 30, 88, 90, 34 years later, later, uh, we're still talking and podcasting about it. Uh, if it wasn't great, we wouldn't be doing that. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. All right. Excellent. So you want to one last time tell people how they can get in touch with you. Absolutely. Uh, the best way to get in touch with us, to me, is uh, to go to the website, awesomefriday.ca. Uh, we uh, also, our main output is currently a podcast, the Awesome Friday podcast, where every week we talk about two new things. Um, and you can find that anywhere you can listen to podcasts. You can also find us on the socials, uh, Twitter and Instagram at AwesomeFridayCA and on Facebook at uh, just Awesome Friday, and you can find me at Smatthew AF. All right, great. And while you're doing that, you can go rate, review, and subscribe on any podcast you might be using to the show. You can find me very simply by doing a quick search for Movie Rob Minute. You can find my website, MovieRobMinute.com. You can find me on Twitter, and you can find me on Facebook. So, Matthew, thank you very much for, for joining me this week. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, that's uh, great. I, I, I think I'm going to give you the, the weekend to recuperate. You know, I think you, you need it. <laughs> well, thank you very much. I do need it. I'll be back on Monday with a new guest. So, everyone, have a great weekend. And until Monday, yippee-ki-yay. Yippee-ki-yay. yippee ki